The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. Sarah Kyo uh, is our expert this morning. So if you have any quiz- questions about diet, 53106 or 087-1400-106. How are you, Sarah? I'm good. That one on menopause and HRT, mm. is it common for people to put on weight when they come off HRT? It's, you do see changes. I mean, hormones, hormones do have effect on the body for men as well as women. Um, and we see it across the board. But bodies react in different ways. So sometimes with the HRT, you can gain weight for it. There isn't one straight answer as to why. So lots of things will change with that. People can feel a little different, maybe might be comfort eating a little bit more. But oestrogen, what I find for a lot of women is not so much that they gain weight, but it changes where the weight goes. So with oestrogen, you know, women typically will put weight on around the hips, men on the tummy. Um, And that's the oestrogen having that effect on women. So once the oestrogen is gone, we tend to put not less weight on the hips. What's there stays, but tend to start putting weight on the tummy. So it's in a new place. So it's very obvious. So that will happen. But what also happens is as we get older, we lose muscle. And when we talk about having a faster, slow metabolism, it's decided by how much muscle you have on your body. So as we get older, we lose muscle. So our metabolism slows down. So even if we're eating the same amount of food, we will get heavier. So what I would say, and it's never popular, is that if you're gaining a bit of weight after the menopause, do look at resistance training. So building back a little bit of muscle. Now that can be Pilates or yoga, but if you're happy to step into the gym and do some of the weights, that really helps as well. Um, And that's really what I would focus on and it's good for bone health after menopause anyway to do that so it's funny that reminds, I remember watching Michael Phelps um, discussing what he ate during the, the uh, Olympics and again all mm. muscle and lean mass and it was sort of 7,000 calories oh, of yeah. pure muck but he was just able to burn all of it well that's the thing I mean if you're burning it and you'll see that it's a funny thing for, for athletes like particularly pe- people doing marathons like you know jellies are your friend you want high calorie rapidly digested stuff so you know we always talk about healthy eating is for healthy people or there's times and places for different foods but yeah well, that relates to a text asking a good general question, which is, are there good and bad foods in general? Are there things where no. you would say, never eat that, it's horrendous? No. And I have to say, I, I say that all the time, there's no good or bad foods. There's good and bad amounts of food. So that's where you're looking at it. Like, you might be eating a bad amount of fruit and veg if you're not kind of getting up to a good chunk of that but are we a day. not meant to avoid sugars oh, and God, fats no, and all please. that crap? Why would you avoid fat? Your hair falls out after about a year. It's a total disaster. Um, Hang on, keeping your hair is related to eating fat? Yeah, oh yeah, huge. I mean, in the late Don't 90s... Don't say it in the way that I was meant to know it. Nobody told me this. Is this oh, true? come on. Honestly, do you remember in the late 90s, everyone was fat-free and 0% fat and all the rest? And I was laughing. Someone says to me, you dietitians all told us to do that. And I said, well, I was a dietitian in the 90s and we never did. But we, had, we didn't have social media back then, but we had all and kind of papers and everybody going on about it. Um, but I was working in a hospital near Manchester in the late 90s and we started having people coming in with this weird syndrome, hair falling out, really dry skin, high levels of anxiety. And we're looking at that after a while, it's what we would call an essential fatty acid deficiency and it comes from not eating fat for about a year. So fat's like a vitamin, we need it. So this idea of low fat, now not massive amounts of fat either, very high fat diets have their own issues, but you know, fat free is not a good idea. Um, but the same even with sugar, we don't need to ban sugar. I mean, I just think people love to take nutrition and scare the wits out of themselves with it and honestly it's just food you know breathe have a bit of sugar it won't kill you don't go mad on it though can you spot trends coming because you mentioned the fat Often, that was the, yes because <laughs> we did do you remember we then had the atkins thing where you could you yeah. couldn't have a, bur- a bun with your burger we weren't allowed to have carbs yeah and then we gluten that's right 
And are we still in the gluten phase? Is no, that the, gluten, we... the gluten thing has fallen away quite a bit to the relief of a lot of people with celiac disease who actually genuinely need to be gluten free. Um, but yeah, we I mean, the, the vegan is the very big trend at the moment. And it's an interesting because it is mixed with people with it's more than just a dietary trend. It is a dietary trend for some people, very much environmental, maybe for other people. There's a couple of other things going on with it, but it is a trend as well. And I wouldn't be at all surprised to see it falling away a little. I can see it already starting to fall away. No, not for everybody. It's, as I said, it's, it's not like, say, a gluten trend where... Um, it very much was a trend coming and going. But yeah, sometimes you can definitely see what's coming and down the you line. You and I have spoken before, or rather I've uh, I've listened to you before, in relation to the mm, celiac disease and what it's like for those who mm. really have it. It's really something. Mm. Uh, text in, Anton, I am allergic to garlic, onions, etc. Could you ask Sarah how to make a tasty soup without <laughs> using the above? There you go. Yes, well, you see, if you have irritable bowel syndrome, quite a lot of people with IBS are sensitive to a thing called fructan. And fructan will make them quite bloated um, and uncomfortable. And you get quite a lot of it in garlic and onions. So this would be a really common thing for a lot of my IBS patients. So how you come around that is for garlic, um, if garlic is bloating you, it's usually not the flavour of the garlic that's the compound that's the issue. So drop a couple of cloves of garlic into olive oil and let them soak into the oil. And then you get the flavour, just don't eat the actual garlic. For the onion, there is, now I'm going to badly mispronounce this, but there is a spice called asafoetida, which you will get in Asian spice shops. And it tastes like onion. And so what you do is you heat your oil and you fry your spice in it. Um, now, it doesn't give you the bulk of onion into a, a dish, but it will give you the onion flavour. So that's how you come around So those. if you're using the onion to do something like thicken a curry, you'll have to find another way to thicken it up, but yeah. you can get the flavour into Throw the oil. Throw a potato in, but the, the, the spice will give you the onion flavour. You mentioned the HRT text saying, I'm 63 in postmenopausal, no HRT, but I can't even look at food now without putting on floppy weight. I was always <laughs> a healthy weight, but now yeah. I have, quotes, bat wing arms and a floppy fat on my tum. It's so depressing. Well, we start losing muscle at the age of 25. We lose 2% a year and that goes on right up our lives unless you're stopping it. Um, But it speeds up as you get older. So by the time you're 70, late 60s, 70s, you're losing 16% of your muscle every year. 16% of your muscle every year? Well, that's why people rapidly get frail. You know, when you see older people getting frail, that's that really rapid loss of muscle. So that's why we want older people eating mountains of protein far more than your 20 year olds. But we also want people doing resistance. Get into the gym, do your Pilates. Um, you know. So does this mean that if you're 50 and you say, well, I'm the same weight that I was when I was 17, the answer is, yeah, then you were ripped. Now it's formed entirely well, of a different substance. But that's why you have someone who's the same weight, but they've gone up a size in their clothes because the fat is less dense. So that is, they feel like they're putting on weight, even though the scales may not have moved. Um, but it is just you really want to get out there and, and get your muscles. Um, and it's not that you have to look ripped or have the beach body or any of that rubbish. It's really just you need that strength. And we walk, which tends to give us good leg muscles front and back. But we do no side leg work. We do no tummy work. We do no shoulders, no arms. You want to get the muscle right across the body. Um, Hence very the resistance training. Resistance training. Yeah. Um, a text asking uh, uh, on the uh, other end of the spectrum. I'm preparing for a marathon. What do I need to consider around diet in the lead up? Well, I would always say go and see a dietitian. Um, I meet all these marathon runners who ask me the same question and they're in and out to the physio once a week. And I was like, go and see a dietitian. Like, don't be asking random people. Now, I'm not a sports dietitian, but the little bit that I do know is go and see a dietitian who specialises in sports nutrition. Um, basically, practice your training. What you really need to be doing is getting your carbohydrate up. And for years, that hasn't been the, the fashionable thing. But from um, actually running and exercise, your carbs, particularly for marathon running, is huge. What you want to do is train your snacks. 
So when you are doing your marathon, you need to literally say at two miles, I'm going to drink a mouthful of this sports drink or I'm going to eat. Some people go with little tiny white bread and jam sandwiches or jelly babies or things like that. But you literally need to plan your eating for your whole marathon and stick to it and then also plan your hydration. And that's where sitting down with a good sports dietitian um, will actually take you through that. And you, you can find them. Now, make sure they're core registered sports dietitian. Ring them, ask them have these sports um, background. Quite a few do. So it'll be really good investment for you. For your but marathon. included in the planning of the marathon so you say at, at kilometre X yep. that's where I'll have my wife five jelly babies or whatever it is I'm having but yep literally plan because you won't feel like doing it or what happens is a lot of people go well I'll just do the first five miles and then I'll st-. no you just don't wait so the planning is that planning is very important Sarah as always it is a revelation that is Sarah Kyo who is dietitian and founder of Eat Well The Anton Savage Show Saturday morning at 9 on News Talk.